1: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
0: Welcome to the Believe in the Cowboys podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the only place that covers your teams the way you deserve them to be covered we believe in our teams do you i'm paul catalina joined now by our new co-host Former Cowboys cornerback Orlando Skandrick. Orlando, I am so fired up that you have joined the show, that you're on, that we're doing this. Um, we've got a it's a weird season. It's a weird way for, for everybody to start out doing this. But uh, first of all, uh, welcome aboard. We're we're super psyched to have you here and and, and I, I can't be more excited to to bring somebody with actual football experience as opposed to me, a guy who just watches it and talks about
1: it on the show. Oh, thanks. Um, I want to say thanks to all the viewers, all the listeners. I'm super excited about this. This is a new chapter in my life, and I'm super excited to talk Dallas Cowboy football, something that was a part of my life for a decade.
0: Yeah, um, you were... Um I remember, like, I covered, I've covered the Cowboys for a long time. I've been in locker rooms with you. Uh, one of the things uh, I always liked about you, Orlando, and uh, I can tell already in your early media career, is you are an absolute straight shooter. Like, there is no, like, there's no uh, candy coating with you, man. Like, you you always went right at it.
1: I just like to be open and honest. I like to be able to tell stories, be able to get people to see things through my eyes, to see things through a different perspective than just being a fan.
0: Well, and I think that a lot of times especially and you know this from playing there, Cowboys fans are very emotionally wrapped up as our fans, but there's a unique thing about the Cowboys because of the mystique of the organization. They're very wrapped up in things and sometimes I think that they cannot see things from the player's perspective. It's hard to do that because you you, I mean, they've never lived it, but it is a unique experience being a Dallas Cowboy. And I'm glad that that we can bring that to our listeners through your eyes because you lived it and uh, did it for, you know, a a long, long time.
1: Yeah, um, very true. And at the end of the day, the only thing that matters in the sport is winning and losing. And I think that's the bottom line. And I think losing sometimes for fans is not an option. And it feels like they want reasons or they want to create reasons for why there was a loss. You don't really hear them. You don't really hear them complain too much when you win. They don't really give you too many reasons why you won. Yeah, but they'll give you a bunch why you lost.
0: Yeah, the the reason I like I remember the first time I told this to somebody, of like a friend of mine who just you know, he was like, you were at that game. Like, how could they have lost that? I'm like, hey man, the other guys get paid the same amount of money to be good at football too. Like, the NFL's tough. It is not it, like there's no game even you know you're 10 and 0 the team you could be playing could be 1 and 9 that is not an easy game
1: absolutely Mm -hmm. the nfl is definitely tough it's the way that people feed their families the guy across does get paid the guy across is playing for his future he's playing for how he's going to put food on the table for himself or his family and the competition level is is so so tough it's so almost even yeah.
0: I mean, uh, the difference between, and you've, you've experienced this in a year where a team was, you know, not as good as, as maybe you guys thought you were going to be. And then a year later, a couple things change and you're fantastic. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very thin line between in the NFL of like, this went our way and this didn't. And here
1: you go. And now you're winning. It's the NFL is, is very, 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 you got to kind of be lucky um the margin between good and bad is very very minute it's definitely a game of inches and every year is different
0: yeah, I mean, part of it could just be that you're lucky enough to not have, a, you know, a couple of big major injuries to guys that you really need that make a difference. And the other team in your division did. And at the at the at the right time, you win that game and that flips the whole thing. It's 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 really wild. I think people like to see this in this like big picture is like, no, it's little things along the way that can completely change a season.
1: Absolutely, health is wealth. The team that stays the healthiest, the team that makes the least amount of mistakes, is normally the team that's playing in December, late December, playing for something. The team that's playing in January, and normally the team that's playing into early February. All right, let's jump into some of the issues uh, of the day, which is the
0: one big issue facing the NFL Orlando is COVID nineteen and their response to it. And this is already coming off. you know tensions anyway i don't know tensions are the right words probably is but i mean they just ratified a new collective bargaining agreement at the beginning of all this and then they have to change it so um what is it like in a locker room anyways when you do have to discuss the larger issues of a collective bargaining agreement, which uh, on this one, you know, the players were... I mean, it wasn't a 50-50 split, but it wasn't far off on, on how they felt about this specific CBA. Um, I've
1: never been in a locker room where you actually discuss the CBA. Really? You normally, you normally vote on your player reps, and you trust your player rep to kind of make the best decision. Um, A lot of people think that it's an individual vote, vote player by player by player. Well, it's normally the 32 player reps get together. The player rep normally votes the way that the team votes. But this has been very, very tough because these guys weren't in a locker room together to actually discuss about it. Um, COVID-19 is not something that's just facing the NFL. It's something that's facing the world. I think that, yeah, everyone wants to play football, but in the grand scheme of things, it's going to be the players, the adults, the young men that take this thing the most serious, that don't get each other sick, that don't take the virus and spread it to one of their teammates who spreads it to his young child or his wife or his mother or his elderly grandmother.
0: How would you, as a person who is a leader in the locker room, how do you how do you have to address that? Because there are some guys that will be, you know, like no matter what it takes They'll do it. Then there are other guys who are probably more middle of the road. And then there's some guys who, you know, and that's, that's the way that's not just an NFL locker room. That's any profession. If you worked in a bank and you said, listen, guys, if we want to keep this bank open, you know, you, you can't. You know, you got to kind of social distance and all that stuff. It's the same thing in an NFL locker room. There's a lot of pressure. Guys like to go blow off steam that can put them in some situations. How do you address that in a locker room as a, as a person who's, who's a leader and, you know, wants to convey like, listen, we're not trying to, you know, rain on your parade, but this year is different.
1: Uh, wow, this, um, they're a group of men still. This is not college. It's not college. It's not high school. It's not little League. I think that everybody, you know, you talk about what the protocols and what the procedures are going to be. And you just have to trust that you have the right group of guys, that all those guys are going to make the right decisions. At the end of the day, you cannot force anyone to social distance. You cannot force anyone to wear a mask. You, cannot, you also cannot force anyone to attend bars, um, house parties, or restaurants that turn into bars.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Do you, would you worry more about younger players because, or who would you
1: worry about most in a locker room? This virus does not. I mean, just about people going out,
0: like people not like curtailing their social life.
1: For me, it's, it's, it's a tough and a sticky, sticky situation because you want people to not go out and put their social life, but then you have had some coaches that have gotten it. So how does that work? How do you know where it came from? I think that what you have to do is everyone just has to be accountable to themselves, accountable to their families and to their teammates and handle this situation the right way. Once again, I think forcing someone or trying to put an extra eye on someone and get someone to do something that you think is right for them. I think that's going to be very, very difficult. You know one of the things I've seen written about in the
0: media Orlando that I think and you and I talked about it a little bit before uh, just in the in the build up to this podcast was you know the NBA's doing a bubble, the NHL's doing a bubble, but the NFL can't the logistics of the NFL doing a bubble it's impossible I mean you know if you think about an NBA player that gets to bring two of his family members and there's 12 13 guys on a team you're talking 36 to 40 people that are just just among the players before you get into support staff and coaches with the nfl if you get to 36 people that's that's you're still 17 short of the full game day roster so uh, and that's not even talking guests so how do you How could you even do that? It would be impossible in the NFL to house an NFL team and coaching staff and support staff all in one place.
1: I don't think that a bubble is realistic for NFL one, the NHL. They're in a bubble. They're also in the playoffs. Mm hmm. The NBA, they're in a bubble. It's also not the full league and they're going to be in a playoff shortly after they play the six to eight games. I believe it is Mm -hmm. to finish the season. How do you realistically put NFL teams, put 32 teams in a bubble from training camp, play 16 games and then move into the playoffs. That's four to six months long. I don't even think that's realistic.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're also talking about, you know, they're the rosters aren't at 90, they're at 80, but that's still 80 people you'd have to have in there for a month.
1: I don't even look at the, 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 I don't even look at the roster size Yeah. because at the end of the day, it's not realistic to ask someone to be away from their, their family, their children for four to six months per se. You do put them in a bubble and you can only bring two family members. If you have a wife and two kids or three kids, what do you do with one of your children? Yeah. Well, What what do you, what do you do about school?
0: Yeah. Can't do it. I mean, it's, all.
1: yeah, it's, impo- not
0: yeah, it's impossible. And and look with the NBA, like you mentioned, the NBA is in the playoffs right now. It's the summertime, you know, kids wouldn't be in school at this exact moment for the most part anyway. And then once the teams that get into the playoffs, get in the playoffs, you know, the families can leave and go back and they're not going to be, apart that long it would almost feel like kind of a normal thing where they're just on the road for a few weeks you know during the year so that that wouldn't be that bad but again you're talking about august to to february like it's just guys would go you would just just go nuts not seeing your kids for six months i would think
1: yeah i don't even i don't i don't think it's it's too many people 32 people 32 teams (laughs) 53 players it's it's too many. That's 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 sixteen hundred and ninety six people right there alone. Now you want to get into what about training staff, um, people that help the operation go, which is equipment managers, doctors and chiropractors. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't see it, Paul.
0: Yeah. Well, and then like some people uh, may not know this. Like you might have your own guy that you go see. You know, for for a chiropractor or massage therapist
1: or whatever your own person that's not in the building that that possibly but 1600 people in a bubble and you're saying 32 teams, you would have to play games on more than just Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, and that would that would create a competitive disadvantage.
0: Yeah, well, I know that I know that most of the guys don't
1: like Thursday games anyway, right? So, I mean, you, you normally don't you normally don't like Thursday games, not because of Thursday games, but yeah. just because if you play a Sunday game, you have basically three days to recover. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. So are, is is are there going to be some teams that just have a different schedule all the way around? And then what happens when you come to the playoffs? There's there's more questions than answers when it would come to a bubble. To me, like you just it's just completely impossible. Like you could maybe do a bubble when a team got to the playoffs, you know, when you're down. But I, I don't even think like by that time, what good would that do anyway?
1: Yeah, I think it's more realistic when a team gets to the playoffs to do a bubble yeah. because it'll be less teams in the playoffs. But I just don't think all in all that's a reasonable like option. That's a I don't think that's a realistic option. What is the challenge of
0: this these teams not having off season workouts together, especially rookies who are for a lot of teams expected to come in and at least contribute because there's you know, they were drafted because they were down that spot on the roster and they, they may not have, you know, a guy in front of them to to be a buffer zone for a year while they, they learn how to be an NFL player.
1: The challenge is going to be all around just getting your body ready for a college player. Your season is normally ending and you're getting ready for a bowl after Thanksgiving. That's the when you're getting into December for the NFL, you're getting into the big time games, You're getting into the games that are going to decide seeding who makes the playoffs and who doesn't. Um, it's going to be tough I remember my rookie year You kind of They kind of called That rookie wall Around November You're used to like The season being over You get to that 10th game That ninth game You're like alright Usually you get a month off And for the bowl But for the NFL That's just getting into The thick of things But also the challenge At training camp I don't know if people remember When we had the lockout In 2000 And I want to say It was 2010 We came out the lockout There was a bunch Of injuries Because just Getting the body Used to football things again, like football shape. There was a bunch of ACLs, there was a bunch of Achilles. So the teams that do the best in controlling the environment of practice and taking people's workload up slowly and stay healthy into this year are gonna be the teams that win. I will not be surprised to see a bunch of injuries, a bunch of soft tissue injuries, a bunch of like Achilles ACL type injuries because guys just haven't been able to do the football specific drills with their training staff, with their strength staff, and with their their players and their peers. How
0: big is it for the veterans that they did not have mini camps or anything like that with the new coaching staff?
1: I mean, there's only so many coverages you can run in the NFL. There's only so many route concepts, only so many blocking schemes. So as a veteran player, as a player who went through a lot of different defensive coordinators, it'll be, it'll be a challenge, but it will be no different than... It would be no different than the, the lockout. But I think that they've been doing the virtual thing and they've had a chance to look at the playbooks. So I don't I don't see that as much as a challenge as I do from a physical standpoint of the players.
0: Yeah, so they know that they'll know the terminology. Like Mike Nolan wouldn't be able to go out to the defense and throw something out that they wouldn't. They'd be like, well, this is the first time I'm hearing this.
1: They know well, the terminology. Well, a lot of people don't realize that how the offseason works is you ramp up in weights and conditioning. And then you go to OTAs, you install the playbook. And then you go to mini camp and you kind of go through everything. And then once you get to training camp, you just go through everything and install everything all over again. So in that perspective, it won't be that much different. They've had some meeting time virtually. Yeah. Um, What do you, I mean, uh, what do you know about Mike
0: Nolan? uh, You know, and the differences, because you played for Rod Marinelli and and that defense, which was, which is more, I guess, the Tampa two scheme. And and he's a little bit more, I guess, multiple
1: um, than, than that. Dallas kind of got away from their Tampa two scheme with Chris Richard coming in. I think um, him and Rod worked well together. I think Chris brought the Seattle style defense for the last few years. Um, as far as Mike, I'm not I'm not exactly sure schematically because he comes from he's normally a three four guy. He's, he's very multiple in his coverages. spent the last few years as a linebackers coach with the Saints, and the Saints were a four three team. So I'm I'm not sure schematically. What, how they're going to be um, I think they're just going to have to see like what they do well and how the guys mesh together but I'm sure he has a bright mind um, you got to trust in Mike McCarthy who is an offensive genius he's always been an offensive genius it's going to be Mike McCarthy's first time not having Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers in um, the times when he didn't have Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers his teams tend to struggle so we'll see
0: yeah, other than that one half of Matt Flynn, which I'm not going to bring up, but uh, uh, I mean, I think, were you in that? Yeah, you were in that
1: game. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, they, they, they played well. Right? Yeah. One, yeah. One, half of, one half of football is not going to get you. Into exactly. It, yeah. So, so how do you he's, think? He's been, yeah, go ahead. He's had the luxury of having Aaron. Yeah. When Aaron's hurt. When Aaron's hurt, the Green Bay Packers aren't very good. How do you think Dak fits within that? Because,
0: you know, he can roll out. He can do a lot of the things kind of like Aaron Rodgers can do. Uh, not as much of a, ch- you know, a risk taker, I guess, as Brett Favre. But I mean, who is, uh, you know, uh, how do you think Dak fits into Mike McCarthy scheme?
1: I think Dak fits well in any scheme. Um, but I also think that the Dallas Cowboys were built over the last five, six, seven, eight years in the way they drafted to be a run driven team. Me per se. Aaron or Brett Favre they've never had really 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 run games like yeah they uh, have Zeke. Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys had with Ezekiel Elliott so it'll be interesting to, interesting to see how things shake out um, what type of team they end up being whether they end up being an 11 personnel um zone running team a power running team it will be I'm very very interested to see Uh, As someone who played for Jason Garrett, and that was one of the things
0: I think that fans didn't see about Jason Garrett was how even keeled he, he really did keep the team most of the time. Like, I never thought that you guys were were too high or too low one way or the other, no matter how things were going. And I think that was that was uh, it was kind of something that, you know, of course, he's because he's not. I mean, he's not big and like boisterous. He's very even keeled. And I don't know anything about Mike McCarthy and how he is in the locker room yet, because I haven't I only watched him from afar. But um, when you go through a coaching change, what's the what's the biggest thing that, that transitions within a team?
1: Um, The biggest thing is everyone gets a fresh start. Um, It's a new voice. I think Jason was there for 10 years as the, well, I want to say longer than that. I want to say Jason was there for 11 years because he was offensive coordinator the year before I got there. Um, He was offensive coordinator into my first two years, and then he was a head coach going into last season. So I want to say he was there for, I take that back, he was there for 12 years 13 years maybe and um you know that sometimes the voice gets old um, i think mike coming in will be a new voice um, it'll give people a chance it'll give people that maybe didn't fit into the last scheme a chance to show that they can fit into this scheme um, it would give players like zach who are hungry you know playing for something bigger than just the season or the year and um, it'll give Zeke, um, someone who's I think he's very, very, very talented Um, he's the complete package, he can do things that maybe he hasn't been able or afforded the opportunity to do and I think those guys are all excited about it and as fans and as ex-players and as people in the media, I think we're all excited to see it too
0: um, you know, and, and look, it it killed Jerry Jones to have to to make the coaching change. I mean, the Garrets and the Jones family are really tight, uh, but Jerry does not enter into these things lightly. I mean, he's um, he is. He, I think people people do see him one way, which I think he wants to see them. He, you know, he likes being the big voice and he likes all that stuff. But um from a player's perspective, I've I've never once heard a player complain about Jerry Jones as an owner, and that's pretty rare because even the best owners in the league, there's always somebody who has something to say about him or is mad at him. That didn't happen about Jerry. Like he's, um, I think
1: I think people respect Mr. Jones a lot. Uh, I'm sure people have had gripes or things in the past, but. He's the owner of the team, you don't know it, and he's a man at the end of the day. Two men or two people aren't always gonna agree. Um, But in the grand scheme of these things, it was a change that had to be made. It's a results business. Um, The Dallas Cowboys are a team that's built on winning. Um, Nothing else matters. The only thing that matters is if you win. And the ultimate goal is to win the Super Bowl. And if you're not getting closer, or you're not making progress towards there, towards there, there has to be a change. What's the? I mean, obviously, you just mentioned the goal of the Super
0: Bowl from a player's perspective. When you set that goal, and you're and you're not getting there, what what's that like? What was that like for just you you personally to to have that and like keep having to chop wood away at that?
1: But that's life, you know, no one has reached their, their pinnacle or their ultimate goal. So you just come in every day and you try to approach and you try and get better every day. You try to be the best player you can. You try to make the right decisions on and off the field so you give your chance of you so you can give yourself a best your best chance of having a great career. Um obviously coming away and playing twelve years as I did myself and only making it to the conference championship game and never winning a Super Bowl is kind of a letdown. Um, I've. Even when you look through high school, I've made it and didn't win a state championship, but made it to the championship. When I go to college, I didn't win a national championship, but we were undefeated and, you know, we reached our pinnacle. And then when I get to the NFL, I only make it to the AFC championship game. And that's not even with the team that I spent the decade with. So it's, it's kind of when you look back, one of those things that you wish you would have done.
0: For, for you personally, having gotten to play for a couple other teams, is it different being a Cowboy than it is being a Chief or uh, a Redskin or anything else? Uh,
1: being, being, a, being a Cowboy, it was, it was special to me. I was drafted there. I got a chance to you know meet a lot of great people. I kind of grew up in that organization. Um, it was more than just being a football player. It felt like a family. Um, for these other teams, it just kind of felt like a job. I really enjoyed my time in Kansas City with Coach Reed. Um, he was a fantastic coach. He was a guy that coached against me for a long time, and I got a chance to play for. Um, as far as playing in Washington, it was it was very very different. The culture was very very different. Um, I don't I don't really think that I fit in. Um, it was a, it was a long way away from home. I spent some time as you know, even being a grown man in his thirties, just getting homesick, being on a totally different coast. Um, In my time in Philadelphia, it was it was kind of just a job. And also I was on the East Coast kind of homesick. But there was nothing like getting drafted for the Dallas Cowboys, Um, being a part of that organization and, you know, winning division titles. And just the time that I spent spent with the guys, the good and the bad. You started the Boise State wave, didn't you? I wouldn't say I started the Boise State Wave. I would say that the Cowboys gave me an opportunity, mm-hmm. and I took advantage of my opportunity. I wouldn't say that I started the Wave, though, because the other players that were drafted from Boise were very, very good, and they're all right. Well, I mean, I just... What I meant by that is, like,
0: they drafted you, you fit in well, and then, it like, that was... they, You know, some some teams have colleges. They just trust to develop players and the Cowboys feel like, you know, if there's a guy they like and it's a Boise state guy, it's, it maybe it's one of those things that's just, okay, we trust that he knows what he's doing when he gets here. Uh, maybe
1: I'm wrong about that. It just seems to me like, they, I mean, DeMarcus, DeMarcus was a very, very high pick. Yeah. Um, I think you dropped him wherever he's coming from. Mm-hmm. Tyrone, Tyrone was a, was a high pick too. Was his top hundred pick. Um, And then when you look at other guys that they drafted from Boise, Leighton, first round pick, yes, talent, talent, and and then there's me, and then I I think there may have been some other guys in between, but the receiver, I don't know that that hasn't really. He's been hurt, yeah. Cedric Wilson, So and then you get Kellen, who wasn't an actual draft pick. He came over with the offensive coordinator, so and he's turned into an offensive coordinator. So I don't just. They've had a chance to been in position to draft some very, very good players from that happened to be from Boise State. But both Tyrone and DeMarcus, they were junior college guys, so they didn't mm-hmm. even spend as much time at Boise State as, my, as myself.
0: Yeah. Um, what uh, were you, you, the undefeated, was Kellen your quarterback that year? Who was your quarterback? Was or was that? it... Um, it was not
1: Jared and Zabransky. Zabransky, that's right. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I never got a chance to play when Kellen was the quarterback.
0: But Zabransky was fun to watch, man. I loved watching those teams.
1: You guys had it. You guys were fun. That was yeah. I got a chance. I had a chance to play one year with Jared. Um, it was great. Yeah. Um, I loved it. Yeah, you guys were fun.
0: I, I love watching those teams. I love watching Boise State now. This is always fun to watch. <laughs> They're never dull. Um, all right, so. Um, as we're, I mean, we're we're getting close to, to to about our our time here. I don't I don't want to to cut it off too short. But um, going forward into this season with all this extra stuff, how do you? focus on just the task at hand when you're at work is that or is that the escape for guys to be able to just go to work and not worry about it until they have to worry
1: about it no you're gonna have to worry about it COVID-19 is a real thing I think everyone's gonna have to just follow the protocols take the tests wear the mask and just find a way to focus gonna have to take it serious when you're there you're gonna have to disinfect your hands wash your hands as much as possible and you're gonna have to take it serious when you go home when you're with your family when you're with your kids
0: what do you think the uh the hardest thing will be differently this season other than COVID? like is it just the COVID 19 or is it the fact that there are you know other things like lingering out there about you know maybe the season gets cut short maybe all these other things Do you think that will hang over
1: people's heads at all not at all. I think just staying focused, um, staying safe, staying healthy, handling things the right way, and most of all, how do you handle success? Normally, when you're successful, you're seven and one, eight and one, ten zero. You want to go out and you want to celebrate. You want to party. You want to get a drink. You're not going to be able to do those things. You're going to have to stay focused, stay locked in, and you know trust the process, and also protect yourself against COVID nineteen. So is one of the keys
0: finding a, a, a way to, to relax that is outside the what you would normally do?
1: Yeah, you're going to have to stay quarantined. The whole world's quarantined until, until this thing slows down, until they find a reliable vaccine, until they're able to control this thing. You're going to have to stay quarantined when you're not at work. What was, I mean, was it, I mean, other than
0: like going out and, you know, having a drink like everybody does, was there something that you did that would kind
1: of keep you zen while you were playing? I mean, you're not going to be able to go out and get massages yeah um, you're not, not going to be able to have your your typical friday um position uh, meals like going out to dinner and you're just not going to be able to to go get a drink after the game and for some people that like myself my kids lived in california so i was a big using my off day to travel back and forth to california you're not going to be able to do that it's not it's not really safe to do that right now yeah
0: so um when you yeah i mean like how uh how often would you get to do that to to go on an off day and, and see your kids
1: Well, whenever i felt whenever i felt okay. like it
0: yeah so yeah so now that's that's kind of out the window that's it's, def- it's definitely out the window yeah. kind of definitely yeah and uh routine is pretty important when you when you get into the season and being able to have those things. So that's I'm, I'm I'm very curious to see how how people adapt and do that, because you can't like, again, you know, I don't have kids, so I, I don't know. But I can just imagine that if you're used to seeing them and used to having that time where you can say, like, look, I don't have to I don't have to watch film today. I don't have to think about, you know, Aaron Rodgers today. I don't have to think about all that. I can just go and be with my kids. That's going to be a tough thing for a lot of guys to 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 get over.
1: Definitely, um, you're definitely gonna have to to figure that out. You know, especially especially guys that have um, children from previous relationships. It's gonna be tough tough to to figure out how you're gonna see your child.
0: As far as no preseason goes, how big a deal do you think that is?
1: Preseason is just. Um one of those things where you get to get to get a chance to get in the swing of things. You also get a chance to see these younger players, these rookies, these first and second year players that haven't had a chance in game, like game, like situations and just not practice situations. So that's, I think it's going to hurt those guys the most.
0: Yeah. But um, for a veteran here in the league, four or five years, are you sad that you don't have to play those four games? Not
1: at all. You hate preseason.
0: <laughs> yeah. I hate, I hate preseason. I'm not even a player. <laughs> I don't even like it. I like, I mean, and part of it is just, I want it to count and not that I don't enjoy watching the younger guys play it just at a, at a point, you know, you're, you're just kind of watching. I don't know. It's, it's to me, it's, it's almost like watching practice, you know, for, from a, from a fan perspective,
1: because it's very, it's very, 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 very like helpful for guys. If, um, I can just go back. You, Victor Cruz does a become Victor Cruz if he doesn't have preseason. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't know if people remember his story. There's a lot of guys that got a chance that were just gamers that maybe didn't practice a lot. Maybe they were injured a little bit and they got in that fourth preseason game and they kind of you know made it into something.
0: All right. I'm going to try to do this every podcast. I'm going to try to throw you a curveball question just so I just maybe for my own enjoyment Orlando, but just because I'm curious about it. Was there a receiver because you're a cornerback in the league that you faced that you would get extra Jacked up to face over maybe everybody else.
1: Victor, uh, it was really? Victor Cruz. Um, yeah, he was he was the top slot receiver for most of my career. Um, I was I loved I loved facing him. Um, I loved facing Deshaun Jackson just because they have a long history of like being childhood friends. And then there was certain people like Calvin Johnson. You knew that he was going to bring it. That Megatron name was definitely it. It describes him well. He was he was built like a almost like a transformer. He was just never seen anything like it. Yeah, Uh,
0: I I still uh, he and of course he and Dez got screwed on the catches more than anybody else. I think ever has Uh, his touchdown that he just put the ball on the ground. I still always I mean I'll never understand that that stupid rule, but. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I wanted like Victor Cruz for you. I mean, that, that was, that was a pretty good little matchup. You and him going it back was. and forth. It was cause you, you both weren't, I mean, like he was, you know, obviously, uh, undraft, you know, undrafted guy who, who came up. I mean, you were in the third round, right?
1: Fifth round. Fifth round. It had nothing to do yeah. with where we were drafted. Yeah. We never one time lined up and said, are you mad you didn't get drafted? Are you mad you got drafted? I think none of that matters when you're when you're in between those lines. I don't care where you came from or how you got there. Um, it's just it's production. It's a production-based business.
0: So, so it's not like it wasn't like a chip on the shoulder thing. It was just... No, we definitely had chips on okay. our shoulder,
1: but it wasn't no... When it was time to play, it was time to play. You know, the draft only matters the day of the draft. You know, once you're on the team and into the season, no one cares about that. You're playing for something bigger.
0: Yeah. Well, and and Deshaun Jackson's just the fastest human being there is.
1: I yeah. Very talented. Very so, but smooth. Very
0: but do you know that him. since you grew up with him and you knew him, was there like a little extra like I knew I, I know what I have to do to like make sure I don't, you know, he doesn't just run straight past me? not not at all. I mean, I
1: wasn't, I could run a little bit of my own, right?
0: Yeah, I know. But I mean, like, do you have to, just because he's a straight, I mean, because of his speed, you know how to like, did you know a little bit more about him because you grew up with him?
1: Like, was it, I knew, I knew his mentality. I knew what, what he was, what was going to be his mentality and his mind frame every time I lined up against him because I just knew what he was about. But as far as like doing some extra, no, I wouldn't. I was the same studying. Yeah. You know, yeah.
0: All right, uh Orlando, this has been this has been. Fun. Anything else you want to get into before we wrap it up? No, there isn't. All right. Uh Orlando, so happy to have you on board here on Believe in the Cowboys. Please like and subscribe wherever you get podcast, iTunes, Spotify, uh, wherever it is. Please like and subscribe us. We are going to be back uh on Friday. We'll do this twice a week um and uh, during the season we'll kind of have a preview Uh, episode and then we'll have a wrap-up episode depending on the opponent every week and when they play you know so if it's a Monday night game it'll be on a different day but that's that's our plan so far Uh, as long as there's a season uh, that's what we're going to do and so far so good when it comes to that Orlando so great to kick this off with you super excited about it please again folks like and subscribe this is the Believe in the Cowboys podcast I'm Paul Catalina he's Orlando Skandrick have a great week everybody